Hey guys, this is Brian. And this is Jesse. And we run Reconciled Media. We create reformed, presuppositional, and post-millennial content. Check out Reconciled Radio, where we've interviewed guests like Joel McDermott and Darren Doan. And the Alpina Antithesis, where we engage with the issues and events around our community from a full-orb, faith-for-all-of-life, Christian worldview. Both shows can be found on Apple Podcasts at Reconciled Media. Go to Facebook.com slash Reconciled Media to stay up-to-date with our latest content, memes of the week, and our Reconciled recommendations. Thanks, and go cultivate a kingdom culture. Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you want to find out more about us, go follow Rebel Alliance Media on social media and go to rebelalliancemedia.com. Look us up on YouTube. You can financially support us on patreon.com slash rebelalliance. So just want to get that out of the way. That's how you can support us, and we thank you if you do already support us and follow us. We appreciate it. Tonight, we are going to be talking about youth groups and children's ministries. This is the third or fourth time, fourth time, yeah, that we've tried to record this. So we're just going to jump in because all of our <laughs> really fun banter has been done four times prior, three times prior. We're empty now. We're done with the small talk. We've had a lot of technical difficulties this week. It's been rough. It's been a real struggle bus trying to get this one on the road. So... Here we are. So if there's an episode put out and that's what you're listening to, just know this miracle. blood, sweat, and tears have gone into this. Actually, there might have been blood, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> so, youth groups. Okay. Grant's taking a class right now uh, called Christian Education. Yeah. And his professor is very different. It's a good way of describing him. Yeah. I think he's a very good teacher, a very good uh, professor, mm-hmm. I think his method of teaching is a bit um, abnormal. Yeah, he talked about how he tries to cause dis disequilibrium. <laughs> He's a very smart man, and I I know this because I've listened to several of Grant's lectures with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes to push you to the brink of madness, yep. playing devil's advocate, and then he like brings you back in and pats you on the head and is like, good job resisting that insanity, kind of. Like, he, he's just a different kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, every week he's, like, playing devil's advocate, causing you to, like, question your own beliefs and the Christian faith, pretty much. But then when you turn in your homework and he's like, great work. Right. So he's, like, affirming on the back end. I th- And I think it's a very good way of teaching. I think it it makes you more resilient in your beliefs. But it yeah. is it is different. Anyway, this week you were learning about children's ministry mm-hmm. and youth ministry in particular. Yeah, in our, in our textbook, there were several chapters, and each one dealt with either children's ministry or youth ministry, focusing on, like, high school age, and then adult ministry, and then different generational yeah, so on and so forth. groups and stuff like that. For a long time, Grant and I had grown up. In, like, churches with youth groups. We went to churches with youth groups. Mm -hmm. As we became more covenantal in our beliefs, we have slowly 
backed away from that, those types of teachings, ministries. ministries, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. We've found them to be very problematic, and I don't think you can really reconcile them with scripture. Well, and that's easily. one of the things in my in my book that an author pointed out is that it's you're going to be really hard pressed to actually find anything in the Bible supporting a ministry to only one age group right. of kid. So we're going to just jump down that rabbit trail knowing that we're going to make a lot of you frustrated and angry. Yeah, we probably are not going to have a very popular opinion about this. But we've already done this three other times, so at this point we don't really care. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that was God's plan all along. Maybe. Maybe God drove us to the brink of insanity and then he's like, here you go, talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so when we talk about children's ministry... What is it that we are talking about? Sunday morning, what does children's ministry typically look like? Yeah, so obviously this varies a little bit between church to church and denomination to denomination. Mm -hmm. But I think in most uh, evangelical, especially American churches in the South, what typically happens is you go to church as a family and you sing a few worship songs. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the worship portion of the... Service. Service is over. Mm-hmm. Then the pastor will come on stage and he will dismiss the children for children's church or the teens for their... What did they call it at your church when they did that? Just youth group. Just youth group? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know they called it on Sunday morning. Still youth group? Yep. So that's what we're talking about for the sake of clarity. Yeah. We're not talking about Sunday schools, although I do know that in certain cultures... Uh, and in certain denominations, they refer to that happening as Sunday school. That was my experience growing up, is that what the kids did during the sermon... Was Sunday school? ...was called Sunday school. We didn't have the traditional hour before or after the worship okay. service where the adults did like a class and that was called Sunday school. So maybe it's I'd... more of a Calvary thing? It might be. Yeah. So Sunday school was like the name would would describe it was a like a school setting where there mm-hmm. was a formal teacher right. typically an elder or something or a you know a old lady who would teach the kids <laughs> um but it was like a an hour where kids were like uh, or adults they adults on a school right. too where uh they would divide up into age group or affinities or you know yeah, whatever topics or something and they would have formal biblical training either for an hour before church or an hour after church i think right. that's traditionally sunday school to have the children dismissed during the worship service that's a new thing that's children's church right right because they're making a separate church from christ church so what we're saying is we think that the sunday school meaning the before or after the corporate worship we're cool with. Totally cool. I think ch- every church should be doing it in some form or fashion. Yeah. But that's not corporate worship. Right. That's not messing with what you do during corporate worship. And that to me is more akin to like a small group or a community group. Like mm-hmm. that's not actually just like found like yeah. thou shall have a community group in scripture. No, that that to me is being dedicated to the apostles teaching. Right. And Acts that's where but right? I was going to go there. Like that's kind of what we would say even like a... a Sunday school class could be, right? Yeah, exactly. The fellowship, the devotion to teaching, mm-hmm. uh, discipleship, that sort of thing. Prayers. It, and yeah, yeah, and that's totally fine. But that's separate also from 
Like, if someone just went to community group and said, well, I went to community group this week, therefore I don't have to go to church on Sunday. Yeah, or if they We only... would have a big problem with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they only went to community group and then said, oh, I went to church. I went to I went community to... group. No, you didn't go to church. Yeah, yeah that, it's not the same thing. Yeah, you went to a study group thing. Which is a good thing. Right. But it's not, it's not yeah. church worship. It's a supplement. We've defined our terms a little bit. Yeah. We can talk about Sunday school a different day and defend mm-hmm. why we think, I think we kind of just did that, but defend why we yeah. think it's it could be profitable. Right. You and I, especially the church that we're going to now, have profited greatly from our pastor Sunday school classes. The man is wicked smart. That guy rocks a Sunday school class. I mean, you want to feel like you just got your money's worth. Holy cow. Go to yeah. Troy Green Sunday school class. Oh, you, you just name dropped too. I think... Most of our listeners will know that we would strongly advocate for family integrated worship. Right. We just find it to be biblical. I think you'd be really hard pressed to argue otherwise, biblically. Yeah. And and we didn't grow up that way. Neither of us. So for us, this is something we've come to a conviction of by um, by way of covenant theology. And we didn't grow up in churches that were covenantal either they were dispensational well it's funny though because we have three kids we had three kids in three years mm-hmm. three kids in three and a half years yeah and so we had a lot of babies real quick you were deployed twice in those three year time frame like mm-hmm. it was kind of insane for a few years there yeah and by the time we had our last one we were going to a baptist southern baptist church and our two oldest were too old to go to children's church during the service, so they had to sit with us. Mm-hmm. But Nora, our youngest, was still at the age where she could be put in children's church. Right. And we did that a couple times. And then I can remember sitting there in church one day thinking, this is wrong. Like, she should be here with us. Like, why do we only have two of our kids? This yeah. isn't right. Yeah. Like, we should be worshiping as a family. Mm-hmm. This feels wrong and i i didn't really have covenantal beliefs at that point but i Mm -hmm. think it was just the holy spirit like still giving me conviction like why are you sending this child out of my presence i just seemed very disjointed yeah well inconsistent because here i am trying to teach my children to love the lord and then i'm like but you get shoved off here so mommy can worship as though like mommy gets to worship Mm -hmm. but you don't all of it seemed very strange to me and I don't think we had any conversations about it even up to that point. But you and I were both feeling similar things right. at the same time. Yeah. Because then, then when we talked about it, we were like, oh, yeah, of course. And then Nora never went back to. And she was a baby because she was baptized at three. So and... she was already. So she was two then probably. So she was probably like two, two and a yeah, half. Yeah. And we pulled her out of children's church and started having her sit with us. Yeah. And that was a bit of a struggle bus, too. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, we had, you know, patience and grace. I mean, her. to be really honest, today Grant had to work. And so I took the kids to church mm-hmm. myself. So I have all three kids sitting with me in a family integrated church. And our church is amazing. I mean, yeah. it really is. I've never once felt a shred of, like, judgment from anyone about my kids being yeah. noisy or whatever. But sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes if you are sitting there with a bunch of little kids, it can be difficult yeah so i'm like just want to say that too we're not saying because we believe this is right this is the easy way on the contrary because it's the right thing yeah it is often the more challenging thing for you and for the child yeah nora was pulled out of sunday school Mm -hmm. 
or out of children's church, and she sat with us. We became covenantal. We baptized her, baptized Eddie. Yep. And then they have sat with us. From then on. From then on. Because our the Presbyterian church that we started going to had Sunday school before the service, and so they went to their age uh, appropriate Sunday school classes where they we, were getting catechized and yep. I mean, learning it was hymns great. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it was really really good. And then we were all together during the worship service. the The church uh, encouraged family integration, mm-hmm. but did have some nursery up to age two or three. But then they also had a ministry where a lot of the high, high school, school girls, age girls mm-hmm. were would volunteer to help sit with the younger kids as parents were training them to sit in the worship service and it was a a military community so they knew that like a lot of young moms are going to have their husbands deployed and if they have four or five six seven kids it's a presbyterian church let's be honest right (laughs) if they have a bunch of little kids trying to just like get anything out of a worship service while tending to that many babies is really hard or not damaging all the church pews (laughs) yeah for one thing so i mean I thought it was super awesome that everywhere in the church, I think it was like where the the bulletins were, in the ladies' bathroom, like everywhere there was signs posted saying, we encourage family worship, we would love for your children to join us in worship. Right. If you need assistance, here are some names of people, come to the one of the pastors and we will make sure that you are assisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, what a great way to get the youth, the young ladies in your church who are going to be mothers, who God has gifted yeah. in the, with nurturing abilities, to like practice that before their mothers themselves and to also love, help, assist other families in the church. That's great. Yeah, it was fantastic. So that was something that happened there. Family integrated worship happened every Sunday. And they did not have a youth group. And I can remember you and I thinking, like, obviously our kids aren't old enough to go to a youth group, so it wouldn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But we had heard things happening in that community at other churches, some controversial things happening Mm -hmm. in the youth groups. And you and I really started thinking, like, well, what happens when our kids do get older? Right. What do we think is right and biblical for when our kids are 13, 14, 15? What happens to them then? Do they, like, because our church didn't offer, um, like, a teenage Sunday school class. No, they were included in one of the adult ones, remember? Right. And I can remember sitting in this Sunday school class. The first the first thing they were teaching, I think it was Thomas Boer who was teaching Plowing and Hope. Well, no, his, the Tom, <laughs> Thomas Boer Sr. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was actually Graham Goldsworthy uh, Biblical Theology. That was the first thing when we went there. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Both good books. Yeah, great books. Um, But the pastor's two boys Mm -hmm. were sitting in that classroom. And I can remember um, Caleb, his oldest, I Mm -hmm. think, had answered a few questions or something and just being like blown away this 14 or 15 year old boy however old he was at that time yeah what genius child is this like who like i don't know this (laughs) stuff how do you know this stuff this is it was awesome yeah well and he brought his greek new testament with him in there too (laughs) like it's ridiculous which is a testimony to like how faithful of a father our pastor was for his kids but also like this ought to be what we're doing with our young men, right? Like, that's what I I thought when I was looking at Caleb and Ben. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of young men that I want my daughters to marry. 
Yeah, I want my daughters to marry someone who is serious at the age of 15 years old and is carrying around a Greek New Testament. That's awesome. Exactly. I don't want... With a smile. Yeah. Not being forced. Yeah. And is, like, sweet, is, you know, charming, is very, like, put together. He's not, like, off doing stupid things, hawking loogies in the bubbler, thinking it's hilarious. Like, and that's the kind of shenanigans that happened in my youth group, you know, just stupid things. And Mm -hmm. I think... After seeing the culture of that church and, like, hearing of some of the things that were happening in youth groups, and even recently in Matt Chandler's church, um, the controversies with things that happened at their youth camp, and I don't know where everyone is on that, but, like, if there was no youth group, no youth camp, that would have never happened. Yeah, exactly. There are so many issues brought up in my textbook when it comes to children's ministry, youth ministry, or Mm -hmm. different generational gaps and all this kind of stuff and i'm like this would all be solved if we just didn't have this and thought more covenantally right you know like done right solved you know stop segregating everyone stop trying to cater to kids with this entertainment or like a four-year-old needs to be as cool as a 16-year-old well in the youth group i think is a pretty new idea probably right around the time we started believing in the and coined the term adolescence it is yeah that was actually in my book was some of that it's like so uh, you didn't even read the book i know you're so smart babe <laughs> but it's like the you know 20s 30s 40s that era um a lot of fatherlessness a lot of yeah. uh, parents that were neglecting kids mm-hmm. um a lot of fathers died in World War One, mm-hmm. and then again in World War Two, and so there was a lot of kids kind of left to, to their own. Devices. Yep, that's when uh, you know Youth for Christ and Awana and a lot of these things started to pop up is through those decades, and I just think they came at it wrong. They didn't come at it covenantally; they came at it pragmatically. Mm-hmm. How do we fix keep... this problem? Right? How do we fix this problem? Well, we need to entertain them. We need to do something to just bring them, you know, back to church again or something. And well, and that happens in Sunday schools just as much as it happens in children's churches or youth groups. Yeah. We think that children don't understand something, and so we dumb it down. Mm-hmm. We don't give them the meat because we just think they can't handle it. So we raise this child who can never handle meat then. Yeah. They're always just given the watered-down milk, and... Then they grow up, and then we have a whole generation of Christian adults who don't know how to handle meat. Well, and if you think about what it teaches the kids when you separate them from the worship service their parents go to, and you give them their own kind of worship service, Mm -hmm. where it's entertained and it's catered to them. It's Disney Plus. Exactly. (laughs) Um, What are you teaching them? You're telling them you don't have to have the same faith as your parents. There's no God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exactly. What your parents do at church doesn't matter to you. You you go off into this other room. Mm-hmm. How they do church, right? How they sing songs. That's how, for the old people. Right. How they're preached too. That that doesn't really bear any weight on you. Yeah. You come over to this room where we're going to just tell more jokes and be funny, have rock music and fog and turn the lights down and then... And get your feels going. Right. And... But you throw a bunch of kids with hormones raging into a dark room with some strobe lights you can get him crying in a hot second. Yeah. And sinning. <laughs> and that too. <laughs> and then you throw in a youth group leader who is equally as immature in his faith and or personal propriety. Well, and you know, so you know how you see knockoff stuff and if it's like a knockoff Nike shoe like like the swoosh is going like the opposite mm-hmm. direction or something. 
anytime the church tries to be cool, that's what they look like. Yeah. They're the Nike swoosh going the wrong way. And this is one thing people have seen about millennials is that they see right through that. They can't really be manipulated. And you see right through it like you're a joke. I think this might be a couple of years old now, but I think in like 2017, 2016, Mm -hmm. according to the Pew Research, it was they had said that the only denomination that was actually growing in America, not like steadily declining, but actually growing was the PCA. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's true anymore, mm-hmm. but one of the articles that I had read, once again, I can't even tell you what the article was. This has been a couple of years now. But one of the reasons was that um, a lot of millennials were looking at that old-fashioned religion and were really drawn to it because it didn't look like the cheap knockoff. It was like almost like the hipster thing to go yeah. back to the old thing. You right. Know? Well, a lot of people say that because our world is changing so fast... Because of social media and the internet, because it's so fast, people then think, crap, where's my anchor? Mm -hmm. And I see this in the writing in my class and other people saying like, well, because the culture is changing all the time, the church needs to change all the time. And because they're always looking for something new, then the church always needs to have something new. But then you just become another boundaryless, anchorless thing in their life and they're like where's that anchor where's that thing that i can hold on to right to hold me down they want their social media and they do want the the exciting and the crazy and their you know jobs changing the world's changing they want to change the world too but they still need an anchor yeah which is what we have in the word of god that's been the same for thousands of years right well it's kind of like um children who are never parented children and this is yeah. My youth groups, children that are never parented, mm-hmm. children that are never given rules, children that are never disciplined, crave it and they yeah. act out right. because they want boundaries. They want someone to care about them enough to tell them no right. and to do something about it when they disobey. Yeah. They see the love in it. Yeah. And, I mean, no kid likes to be spanked, but every kid when they grow up will look at their parents, so long as it wasn't abusive, and just say, thank you for doing that. You know? Yeah. I look at my mom and I've said, you should have spanked me more. Like... <laughs> Um, I have to. I I look back and I think the same thing. I'm like, that was good because they you, were. You I don't know how bad I would have been. That the, those boundaries, and those parameters, are actually for your good. You know, it, right. like you said, it. It's that rule that you must live by. You must obey. You must do these things, and mm-hmm. that is actually comforting. So when the church says there are no rules, you may act as you wish. You can be entertained however you wish. You can create a Christian culture that looks like whatever you want it to look like. Yeah. That's terrifying, actually. There's yeah. no rules. There's no one enforcing anything upon you. Like, that sounds great in theory, but it's really just a child who has no one disciplining them. Yeah, and that philosophy is borrowed from existentialism, which is where you get the, you know, your life can be whatever you make it. Mm-hmm. You know, dream big. You can accomplish all that kind of stuff is from existential uh, thinking, but as well as postmodern thinking where there's mm-hmm. no right answer. Right. Just every all truths are good. Right. And that just contradicts uh, biblical worldview. Right. At the foundation. Well, that's why these churches aren't growing either, because so there's always going to be that cool church in your city. Mm -hmm. But eventually what that cool church is doing won't be cool anymore. Well, and a large part of our our generation is going back to liturgical worship, too. And that's why. Because it's like the rules, right? When we look at a confession, we say these are the parameters of orthodoxy, Mm -hmm. and that's comforting. Yeah. We may not go beyond these boundaries 
or there will be church discipline. Right. That's good for us. We we like that. Mm-hmm. And as a generation of children who probably grew up in homes where maybe we didn't have much discipline because of fatherlessness, because of uh, a plethora of reasons, really, mm-hmm. both parents working, very little actual parental guidance, that feels like the firm hand of God, like, guiding us, you know? That's a good thing. So then what should we do with youth? What should what should our ministry to youth look like? We we don't believe they should be separated. Well, the, there's just Certainly never not. there's never anything in scripture where kids are taken. And so a yeah. lot of times what you'll hear is, well, because we don't have a lot of there is a lot of fatherlessness in mm-hmm. our culture. And yeah, you maybe you don't see youth groups in the Bible, but also in the Bible kids had dads. So yeah. if you don't have a dad, someone has to love that kid, so put him in a youth group like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But that's pragmatism. Right. What we're saying is God in his wisdom didn't foresee this problem in culture. So we get to say, well, we're going to go outside of God's wisdom then and create our own solution to this problem. That's well, da- our... that's a really dangerous thing to do, right? Right. And our job as a church is to make disciples. We're not pragmatists. And when I look back at the youth group I attended in high school, it was... A hundred people every Sunday and Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. But when I look back at my friend, my core friends group from that time, none of them are walking with the Lord today. Same. So you would have looked at the youth group and go, wow, look, it's working, mm-hmm. right? Pragmatism. It's working so well. You must be doing and how something many of right. them like got pregnant right away? How many of them are divorced now? How many of them yeah. like I like legitimately I'm looking at my youth group and I can say probably like 90% of them were pregnant and divorced within mm-hmm. the first seven years of graduation. And and what we should have been doing is focusing more on making disciples. Yeah. They needed apologetics. That's what we should have been teaching them. You know what I mean? Like learning how to reason with their faith and, and share their faith with the world that's going to attack it. Because I look at some of my friends that I know aren't walking with the Lord, and some of it is because they bought into evolution. They bought into atheism. So. Let's go a little further down the pipeline and say churches then are looking at the individual child in a very individualistic way. Mm -hmm. Here is an individual child who has no father or perhaps doesn't have a Christian father. What do I do with said child? How about we actually attach it to a family and say, we're going to actually believe this covenantal thing that we say we believe. This child is part of a covenant family. So if it has a believing mother, if it has a believing father... We're going to disciple the mother and the father to disciple their own child. Yeah, that's like, like number let's, one. Let's start way up the river and like begin there. Yeah. If the child really doesn't have either believing parents, let's get it in a community group. Let's mm-hmm. get it in a covenant group. Right. Let's get someone to disciple they, that young lady, that young man, and not in like a youth group setting, but like in a one-on-one, I'm part of your life. You're part of my life. Like mm-hmm. we're going to actually do life together, not just turn on a strobe light for an hour and like cry together on Wednesday night, <laughs> you know? Well, and again, it goes into that sin of empathy where we think if we're not the same, then we can't minister to you. Right. That's not what the Bible sets up. No, not at all. The Bible sets up the mature uh, disciple, the more immature or the weaker brother. Right. You bring them up. I think sometimes even fundamentally youth groups have forsaken the Titus 2 model too, where Mm -hmm. like older women are to train younger women. So perhaps there was a youth pastor teaching a youth group. 
But that's not the same as discipleship because the best of the youth pastors cannot teach a 14-year-old girl, woman, Mm -hmm. what an older, godly, 60-year-old lady, 45-year-old lady can teach that 14-year-old girl. It's going to look different. And I'm not against male leadership. I'm all for it. Right. But there is a way that God has designed for this to work. And that girl is getting knocked up at 16 because she's not being discipled. Yeah, exactly. So one of the questions my professor asked this week was, um, what would you what would you have changed about your upbringing with Christian education, mm-hmm. familial Christian education? And and part of my answer was just just that families would be focused on more so than a specific age group or decade or right. Um, I don't remember doing hardly anything at my church ever where our whole family was doing it together. Right. There was the occasional conference or visiting speaker or something like that that I remember sitting with the whole family and learning. But as far as like outreach events where the whole family was together doing something or serving the church, that would have been great. Can I say something that's going to get me in a lot of hot water? Of course. We welcome these things. (laughs) I don't wonder if part of all of these like sexual scandals in the church and Mm -hmm. part of... um. Just like the crime, the crime aspect of the church, mm-hmm. like uh, priests molesting young boys right. or just that type of thing. The Matt Chandler scandal. Yeah. Um, if that type of thing isn't really going to be used by God to bring about that type of discipleship. Oh, I hope where so. Where the parents are too scared to shove their kids off in a youth group so they keep their kids with them. Yeah. And they actually start taking on more responsibility. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it will... You know, it's sad that it has to get there, maybe. Right, but oftentimes that is how God works. Like, God will use a terrible situation to actually bring about... um, His design. Yeah, like, to to restore us back to how he created things to work. I think a lot of times the church rests so heavily on pragmatism. Mm -hmm. We need to get people coming to our church. We need to attract people. We need to... and, you know, even with, like, family-integrated worship, the one thing that we always hear is, I can't get my kid to sit. Right. I will not get anything out of the church service because I will be, you know, correcting my child the entire time. But what does that, even in just saying that, if, right. if a person is saying, I can't have my child sit with me because I won't get anything out of the service, what you're communicating to the child is that your relationship with God is more important than theirs. And that you're... Relationship with God is completely individualistic, too. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, how many men, it was Moses and Paul and Scripture and Jesus, obviously, Mm -hmm. who said, like, uh, punish me. Let me take on the punishment for this people. Yeah. I will take on the burden, the wrath of God. Just save this person. And I think as a parent, we need to say, I don't care If I have to take on the burden, Mm -hmm. so long as my children hear the goodness and are experiencing the goodness of God and are united to him in this service, I'm okay with that. Well, we've already said that receiving discipline and correction from a parent is a good thing. Yeah. So So just that in in and of itself is a good thing for your kid. Right. But what I'm saying is the parent's attitude is a very selfish attitude. It doesn't display the gospel at all. No, not at all. And so I think the first thing you need to do is just say... Like you need to repent and you right. need to like ask God to forgive you and then say, my life for my child. Exactly. I will give up. And, you know, no greater love is this than he who gives up his life for his friend. How yeah. much more your child than your friend? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it takes. I want them to 
grow up knowing and loving the Lord and singing right. the praises to our King and yeah. and hearing the Word of God preached and read and you know seeing the sacraments. And a woman uh, is saved through childbirth. Listen, there is no more sanctifying thing than having to sit in a pew with your little ones on a Sunday morning, trying to keep them quiet, trying to get them to pay attention, yep. trying to get them to participate, all while doing those same things yourself. Right. You will quickly find sin in your own heart that you need to repent of, and it is a very good thing. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen the fruit in our kids. I mean... I mean, we've got a long way to go. I'm not saying yeah. every Sunday is a cakewalk. No, it no, no. certainly isn't. No, they, they have come a long way. But <laughs> even just um, them participating in the worship service with us yeah. has brought fruit in their life because they've learned the prayers and the hymns and are listening to good preaching. And yep. and that, that in and of itself is maturing them and raising them up. Well, and we believe that like the preaching of the word and the sacraments mm-hmm. are a means of grace. Exactly. You're right. If we believe that the preaching of the word and the sacraments are a means of grace, why would we not want our children to experience that same means of grace? Why would we say, yeah. go somewhere else. This is for me. I need to experience this for myself. How selfish are we as parents? It's, that would be wickedness. Right. And just when you hear God say, I will be a God to you and your children, that in and of itself enough is well, enough he, for me to. And he identifies himself. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So right. we should be telling our kids, your God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Like this is your history. These are right. your people. These, right. This is who you are. Like you are part of this. You are baptized into this. Mm-hmm. These are your people. God tells you, obey in the Lord because he is your Lord because you have been baptized into this family. These are your people. We're not going to shove you off in the corner and pretend like you belong somewhere else. Right. That's what the pagans do. You're not a pagan. You are one of us. Exactly. I hope we've convinced you. <laughs> <laughs> this might be something we're kind of passionate about. Yeah, just a bit. And it's just because I've seen... In my own life and in my own friends, and you have too, as you've yeah. shared, that that it's just devastating down the road. And we're seeing statistics of 80% of kids leave the faith when they head to college. And that might be a meager statistic, actually. And it's because their whole life we've said, well, your parents' faith, it, it's not necessary for you. you no, go because who was their here. God? Who was really their God? Themselves. Exactly, yeah. because we catered to them. Yeah, they were told to worship themselves. Whatever music style you like, we'll give you. Right. However you feel like worshiping, we'll let you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has been catered around them. Right. And so they're taught that their God is whatever makes them feel good, whatever like Entertaining, yeah. exciting, happy. Yeah. yeah. It's the Disney Plus God. It's themselves. Right. It's whatever makes you happy that's, or draws you in, mm-hmm. you know? Actually, what? I wonder how many churches, because even like... So we grew up in Calvary Chapel. Let me back up. We grew up in a Calvary Chapel church, both of us for the most part. And they're like super against seeker-sensitive churches. Right. They would have absolutely abhorred the seeker-sensitive church. Mm -hmm. But then in the same breath that they would mock the seeker-sensitive church, they would applaud the seeker-sensitive youth group. Yep. Like your church actually even brought in like bands like Skillet and whatever to draw in the youth. So how is that any different than being a seeker sensitive church? Yeah, exactly. It was just as gimmicky. Just because it brings people in doesn't make it orthodox. And that's that pragmatism. Yeah, exactly. So my suggestion 
And What's this, your fix it? The, um, if you saw on social media, you know my suggestion, and that's to take youth groups out back and kill them. Not actually. Don't say it like that. <laughs> kill. That sounds, kill, that sounds terrible in the world of like school you know, shootings. You no, know, kill the youth group idea. Not the actual youth. Not the actual group of kids. No, baptize them and disciple them. Baptize them and tell them, go sit with your mom and dad. And if your mom and dad aren't here, go find a godly man and woman or family and sit with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need to do. And be happy that it's gone. That was kind of the, I know I was being ridiculous in my post. Be gleeful about it. But like, be happy it's gone. Because honestly, if youth group, like when I see a church that doesn't have one, I see that they're including kids and they're doing it right. It's a breath of fresh air. It's a sigh of relief to go, oh, good. They are caring for real about the kids. So we were talking today a little bit about we're going to brag on our church. Mm-hmm. No church is perfect, but ours is almost. <laughs> and we were just talking about how so many issues in the church, so many gender issues, mm-hmm. the youth group issue, the sexual assault issue, like everything would be probably served well if we were to just throw it all away, take it all behind the woodshed, do away with all of it mm-hmm. and just simplify you go to church, yep. you sit in the pew with your family, you worship God together, you go into the worship hall t- or into the fellowship hall and you eat a meal together. Families sign up, they volunteer to bring snacks and food right. on rotation. So everyone is bringing food, everyone is serving in that capacity, mm-hmm. everyone is setting up tables and chairs, everyone cleans up. Everyone tears down. Everyone goes to their Sunday school classes where the majority of the church is all learning together. Like there aren't 15 groups. There's adults and kids. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, everyone is still learning together and you learn and then you go home, you love each other throughout the week and then you do it again on Sunday. Yeah. Like why do we have to have... Committees. A 20s group and a 30s yeah, group and like, a marrieds group and a singles. And, a, and then it's like, well, how can women serve? Can a woman do this? Can a woman, like, how about you just do things simply? Yeah, you know, exactly. like the elders serve communion and take the tithes and offerings and the pastor preaches and then families volunteer to bring food and everyone cleans up. Simple. Like, it really doesn't yeah. have to be this complicated massive thing it's just like just act like a family because you are a family you're the the body of christ you're one family so just submit to the lordship of christ and obey his word and it really does relieve you from like all of these weird problems Mm -hmm. i really love it and the kids all just play around us when we're we're doing stuff too and they help out yeah yeah and it's kind of funny because today we had a visitor in church and if anyone knows me, I am incredibly introverted, but you might not know that about me, but I really am. They're not going to believe you. I love to talk, but I hate like talking in front of large crowds, and I'm much more happy in my own home. Or people you don't know. I can talk to a microphone because it's really just talking to no one. That's fine. That's comfortable. Um, but God gave me three extroverted children, which mm-hmm. is his joke to me. He did. And then today in church, as I'm sitting in church alone, Grant's at work. And I have my three children who talk to everyone and they just assume that you're going to like them and you're going to be their friend, whether you like it or not. (laughs) And so this new lady comes in and of course, right away, my kids are talking to her and I introduced myself to her and stuff. And we were chit-chatting about her life and 
she had talked to me about how she left her church because it was very unfriendly and very cliquish. Mm -hmm. And she had a really hard time feeling like she belonged there or she knew where she could fit in there. And she had been going through some struggles and um, no one had reached out to her in her struggles and she just didn't feel like she belonged there. And it's funny because that was before the church service started. And then by the end of our church service, I had asked her if she was going to... Our, our church does this thing in our church basement. It's a really big room. And every Sunday, someone volunteers, several people volunteer mm-hmm. to bring snacks. Like yeah. cupcakes, pie, cookies, whatever. Yeah. Refreshments. And, and everyone goes downstairs and we all eat together at these little cute tables that are all set up. And... It's really fun. It's a, it's one of the things I love the most about our church is yeah. that we eat together every, every week. week. And it's just a really sweet time of like fellowship and bonding. Yeah. And so I asked her if she was going to come downstairs with us and eat with us and go to our Sunday school class afterwards. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh, yes, I am going to. And I think I'm going to join your church. And I was <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like that quick most people aren't that way yeah and she's like i feel like this is a family and people care about each other here nice and i was like they do (laughs) (laughs) and we care about you yeah and it was just like so funny to me how there's nothing that our church does that's fancy nope i mean our our pastor wears a rope because he doesn't want people to know like how much money he makes based on his clothing. Like it's very simple, very scaled back. Mm-hmm. It is nothing glamorous at all. Yeah. And yet here's this woman who's coming in, coming from a church that she doesn't feel attached to anyone. Mm-hmm. And within one church service, she feels like I need to join these people. This these people care about me. Yeah. And I'm just thinking it really has nothing to do with like the glamour of the church and everything to do with yeah. just acting like the church, acting like a family. Yeah. Bearing one another's burdens, loving each other. Yeah. They'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. Not lasers and PowerPoint slides? No. Turns out that doesn't really work. Dang it. All right. So just love, guys. Just following what Jesus <laughs> said, I guess. Just obeying the Bible. Also, like, if you are in the New York City area, I don't know how many of you there are, but if you are out there, King's Chapel in Sheepshead Bay. Is it is it Sheepshead Bay? Flatbush. I don't know. I don't right. know where they separate. I don't know either. Anyway. That area. You can look it up on Facebook, Google, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It is such a good church. Do yourself a favor. You won't be sorry. Nope. All right. Are we good? Keep your kids. Pull them out of youth group. Yep. To echo cross politic. And if you, yeah, if you're going to a church that has one, talk to your leadership about it. And we pray. I mean, just pull them out and then talk to your church leadership about it. Yes, what she said. All right. Well, are we good, babe? Are you good? I am good. All right, guys. I know, very unpopular opinion, but we hope that we convinced you. Anyway, again, as always, thank you for listening. And we hope you come back next week. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time. Get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall.
fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state. Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't receive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh -huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen Jesus. The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above <laughs>